This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Ben Dominich. I'm Ainsley Earhart. I'm Trey Gowdy, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, January 5th, 2024. I'm Eben Brown. A blast in Iran kills more than 100 people gathered to commemorate the killing of their own terrorist chief. And while some wanted to blame Israel or the U.S., a rival violent Islamist group admits it was them. So why are they fighting each other? Radical Sunni, Salafist, jihadist, extremists and terrorist groups like ISIS, like Al-Qaeda, in general, they see Shiite Islam, and in particular the Khomeinist interpretation of Shiite Islam, as an abhorrent perversion of Islam. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Iran is so often the nexus of jihadist terrorism and war. The current war in Gaza was sparked by Hamas's terrorist attack, aided by and funded by Iran and its Lebanon-based proxy Hezbollah. But they're not the same. Iran is Persian. The rest of the non-Jewish Middle East is largely Arab. And then there are sectarian differences among Muslims. Both radical elements cheerfully call for the destruction of Israel and the U.S., though. And while the Gaza war is demonstrating the two can work together for evil purposes, this week's deadly bombing in Iran at an event commemorating the U.S. killing its terror mastermind Qasem Soleimani was not the work of Israelis or Americans, but the Islamic State terror syndicate, specifically ISIS-K, the Afghanistan branch. They claimed responsibility, and now U.S. intelligence confirms it. But why now? While this is the, I think, the largest terror attack in the past few decades uh, in Iran that claimed, I think, 90-plus uh, civilians, uh, it's not the first time that ISIS has engaged in a terror attack inside Iran. Benham Ben Taliblu at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies monitors Iranian security and political matters. We have to go back to 2017, 2018 uh, to look at some of their bombings, uh, both in Tehran as well as of an Iran-Iraq war military parade, um, to see the uh, Islamic State trying to strike at pro-regime targets and commemorations and anniversaries and ceremonies. So uh, it is absolutely not out of style for ISIS, and that's when uh, ISIS did take credit for it, uh, initially with rumors and then uh, later on officially on social media. Uh, I was personally not surprised. Prior to uh, ISIS taking credit for it, of course, uh, you had uh, this tried-and-true method uh, by the Islamic Republic of Iran. When anything goes boom, they kind of point a finger abroad, in particular at their adversaries, usually the U.S. or Israel. In this case, very much so, they pointed a finger of blame at Israel. 
Uh, I certainly think it does not at all fit the pattern or style of attacks that many assume uh, in the past were attributed to Israel or Mossad or Israel's security and intelligence services because those were the killings of Iran's nuclear scientists or things that went bump in the night at Iranian uh, missile, military, or nuclear installations. Very, very. So this is very, very, very different, and in fact, much more consistent with a different trend um, uh, of terror attacks we've seen in Iran. And uh, had guest number one, in my view, not been ISIS, guest number two would have been an ethnic or sectarian separatist group, usually some of those that operate on Iran's periphery. There's at least a couple of low-level insurgencies at different points of time, either in the northeast or uh, either in the northwest or southeast with the Balutra Kurdish population um, that the IRGC, which again, this was the commemoration of uh, an IRGC general being killed, has uh, violently put down. Uh, and in essence, um, it would not be out of the ordinary uh, to see some of that pushback be militarized uh, from those two different areas. So let's talk about who ISIS is. I mean, we, we've obviously heard the term for well over a decade. We've we've heard the uh, ISIS, ISIL. Uh, those who read a little bit further might know the name Daesh. But you know, they are a, a Sunni group, uh, and that often stands in, in direct conflict with Shia groups, like, for instance, the Islamic Republic of, of Iran. What is the the source of their historical, I'll say it, beef? Uh, you would think, at least at a time like now, they might be working more together in their in this uh, the, the, you know, these attacks on Israel and and essentially goading the West into uh, into a larger conflict. But ISIS chose to do this at a very particular point in time. It it it, it is hard to follow. It, it can be hard to follow, and even when things do have straight lines, they don't lead to the same straight conclusion. If you'll permit me, I'm going to zoom out a little bit here just to put a little little bit more color in context. You know, Iran is majority Persian. Iran is majority Shiite. Uh, in that sense, it's a double minority in this region because the region is majority Arab and majority Sunni. Uh, but that has not prevented Iran from being able to make inroads in with other groups. I mean, just look at the Iran-Hamas relationship, longstanding, flexible. And that's because the orienting and animating element of Iran's export of its own version of political Islam in the militarized sense is, are you shooting at the same people we want to shoot at? Do you harbor the grievances and grudges uh, against people that we harbor grievances and grudges? And that creates this lowest, you know, least common denominator, low-hanging fruit opportunity for coordination. Uh, with some of them, it's much more formalized, like Hamas. Then it's then it can be on the opposite side of the scale, much less formalized. Iran's laissez-passer relationship with a Sunni terror group that uh, still. Uh, is afforded safe haven in Iran, a group like Al-Qaeda, for example. And then there's other Sunni groups like the Taliban, uh, where Iran has had a different and evolving, almost kaleidoscopic kind of relationship. In the 1990s, Iran almost went to the war with the Taliban because of the killing of several Iranian diplomats in Afghanistan. And this was prior to 9-11. Uh, and initially, uh, the Iranians welcomed uh, the ousting of uh, the Taliban and, and uh, Al-Qaeda by uh, U.S. forces in 2001. But quite quickly, the Iranians began to resume bridges and build bridges with the Taliban because the Taliban were killing their other greater adversary, America. Then with the rise of ISIS-K or ISIS-Khorasan, uh, uh, which is the uh, Afghanistan kind of Central Asia, if you will, branch of the Islamic State, uh, which initially uh, was founded and created in Iraq and Syria, tried to erase that border that exists between Iraq and Syria, which they had viewed as artificial and imposed by the Western and Western colonial powers about 100 plus years ago. 
Iran's relationship with the Taliban began to change again, and with the you know removal of the U.S. forces uh, from Afghanistan, uh, Iran actually its relationship with the Taliban got worse, not better, because they competed more. Uh, and actually, there have been several unresponded to uh, attacks and water issues and environmental issues and political issues and even terror issues between Iran and, and its eastern front. And now that uh, the regime has promised revenge against whoever carried out that terror attack on the Soleimani anniversary, um, one wonders how will they overtly or directly respond against ISIS-K, uh, which many believe was responsible for this attack. So that's this whole ethnic, ideational, political, sectarian backlog, plus the military stuff of today. We are speaking with Benham Ben Talablu of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies on what appears to be a terrorist attack against Iran by other jihadists, namely ISIS. On the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition, we'll have more straight ahead. One has to wonder, and again, I'm, I'm trying to apply some, you know, rationality to, to a thousand years of chaos, it feels like, but why why would they do this now meaning isis k N- neither the iranians nor the isis groups have a love uh or even any kind of deference to the state of israel uh in fact they seem to be quite aligned in their goals of of understanding israel as a uh, as some kind of western imperial colonialist experiment in their land that uh, they want to eradicate jews uh, so why why cause a rift now when they could simply say, hey, we'll we'll pick up our own problems later. Let's uh, let's start a you know let's kind of work together here. Not that I'm wanting not not that I would root for this, but I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm trying to understand what would you know what their thought patterns would be, and that may be you know futile. You know, you're but, you're uh, absolutely right to you're absolutely right to point out the you know the irony and the timing and the timeline and the contradictions there. I would just flag this, you know, the, the, the big ideational differences that come from succession and leadership and charismatic authority and the right way to interpret your faith between Sunnis and Shiites in Islam, that is time and memorial, that is 1400 years of, you know, uh, political, social, religious differences that have calcified into the different states that have promoted different uh, competing visions of Islam and more recently political Islam. Uh, you know, but you know, radical Sunni, Salafist, jihadist, extremist, and terrorist groups like ISIS, like Al Qaeda, in general, they see Shiite Islam and, in particular, the Khomeinist interpretation of Shiite Islam as an abhorrent perversion of Islam uh, and the, and permits like treating them as uh, infidels where the spinning, spilling of their blood is not only not haram, it is halal, it is permissible to go after uh, the killing of, of these infidels. And that, you know, orienting, animating, ideational part of the ISIS ideology still remains at the hardest of the hardcore, wherever the ISIS cells are. And when you transpose that I- ideology onto potentially a target of opportunity, which is, in my view, what uh, this uh, bombing of the anniversary would have been. Uh, it could have been uh, a, a, you know, hypothetically a February 11, which is the anniversaries of the Islamic Revolution's victory day. Uh, it could have been another major day. Uh, but I think this was a target of opportunity. It was away from the capital. Assumedly, there was less security. Uh, it is at a major kind of uh, hallmark regime event, so it would have gotten a lot of attention. And if it killed people, well, it killed people who would have been supporters. And this is probably these three factors uh, likely drove ISIS to strike here, then, and now. 
And I guess the the way to wrap this up is uh, Iran has obviously invested itself in this proxy war between Hamas, Hezbollah, and Israel. Is this a distraction for Iran, uh, or, or or is it something that Iran is capable of handling? Uh, you know, do they have that kind of brain power and muscle to handle a terrorist attack and the response to it, as well as still conduct their their proxy war and their terrorism uh, proxies uh, in Israel? You know, there certainly needs to be a, a right-sizing here as to the regime's capabilities, because while they've been able to avoid direct fire from the U.S. and Israel for some time now, uh, they also are telling you and showing you in terms of their deeds where their priority lies. I mean, the world saw uh, how even, you know, a slightly modified headscarf uh, got the ire of the regime's security services and, and massive demonstrations in Iran were violently and brutally put down, but the regime's security services cannot, you know, secure a funeral ceremony uh, of its own chief, you know, military terrorist mastermind. This just tells you about the actual capabilities and, and the actual priorities of this regime. So one would say it's totally misplaced. And, you know, cherry on top of that Sunday, uh, as an Iranian-American, uh, you know, I would tell you that the Islamic Republic is no guardian of the Iranian national interest. It's a guardian of the very narrow Islamist interpretation of the regime interest. These are fundamentally different worldviews, the national uh, prerogatives of the population and the public good and the authoritarian and Islamist uh, prerogatives of the regime and its elite and its military. Uh, these are two conflicting, you know, water and oil. They don't even mix uh, ideologies and worldviews. And, and, and you see that with the chasm between state and society in Iran that is only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, you certainly can't divorce whatever Iranian response may come to this from the aftermath of October 7, uh, particularly because the regime in the run-up to this terrorist attack uh, lost a major uh, IRGC official in Syria. Many believe at the hands of an, an Israeli attack and also a major coordinating official from Hamas, between Hamas and Lebanese Hezbollah and the IRGC in Beirut. Uh, the first individual's name was Said Razi. The second individual's name was Salah Al-Aruri. He's originally from the West Bank. Uh, and so this kind of ability of Israel uh, nearer to its own territory to go after Iran's terror network also shows that they can handicap or impede some of Iran's terrorist coordination, which is just as much personal for them as it is professional or political. So taking out these very important personalist cogs in the wheel are ways the Israelis are trying to get the Iranians to slow down. Benham Ben Talablu, senior fellow at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. We're focusing on Iran security and political issues. Thank you once again for being with us on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. I'm Guy Benson. Join me weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and guests. Listen live on the Fox News app or get the free podcast at GuyBensonShow.com.